Welcome to the Investment Turnaround. In this podcast series, Dr. Mariana Bosazan interviews world-renowned investors, scientists, and other personalities who share their solutions toward the sustainable transformation of our financial systems. Our guest today, Dr. Jan Bellaman, is an international authority on conscious capitalism and co-founder of the Conscious Leadership Academy. The former British telecom executive holds a PhD in electrophysics and a master's degree in electrical engineering from the Technical University of Munich. My f- most favorite question is how did you come to this point in your life where you have dedicated your entire life to making a difference, to being a force for good? To being a force for good? Wow, that's a question. Um, I think that's a graduate process. It starts um, when you get personally more and more conscious or aware, and then um, something happens in your life that you um, start to search for a bigger meaning or a deeper meaning or why are these things happening. Um in my case, that, that was a private issue, and I started then to dig into um, meditation, into exploring consciousness. Why um, am I here? Um, how can I influence my being, my being state, my well-being? And um, these first experiences I brought into my teams, I started to intuitively change my leadership style and experimenting with one or the other thing, which surprisingly enough had an, a huge impact on the team. Can, can you give us some more details? Like what exactly has happened? I mean, you are a typical manifestation of a scientist in the Western world. And now you're talking about meditation and consciousness. Yes. Uh, was that a switch <laughs> or was it more was it what exactly happened and and how did you know to go to meditation how did you know about meditation that's not what you learn in church here yes. in the west or in school or was it your family what exactly happened can you give us a little bit more yeah my partner regina she once bought me um she bought a book um, and I remember when I was on the plane to London um, to meet with the team, um, I had the book with me and I was reading the first pages. And um, I was deeply touched. Um, suddenly the tears were rolling down. And um, I suddenly understood that I was searching for something that I was not aware at all about. And um, that this guy who wrote this book... Um, used exactly the same words. So it it was like I would have written these first pages. And um, so he was talking about the place in India where to go and where he made his experiences. And then my mind was very clear. I have to go there and have to test that. And with my Western um, physicist thinking and scientific thinking, I first had to convince my mind. Um but this is not the mind thing. So we went there and um, yeah, the big change came with a, with a huge mystical experience 
which I couldn't explain at all. And I was in a completely different state. And uh, after that, I was clear there's so much more out there which I simply have to explore. I remember then, the next year I was going back and thought, oh, wow, that's I had this mystical experience. Yeah, this year I get even more and I got nothing, nothing at all. So it was... It, it took me quite a time to, um, to find the right way to get back into mystical experiences because my mind was still so strong and scientific that I was judging every thought that was coming and every experience I made. And, and, and the, the, the next two years I almost made nothing and took in just the philosophical teachings. Wow, so you said you you talked about the mind and you said that your mystical experience was not off the mind. What was it then? <laughs> That's a good question. Okay, I'm, I'm brave and I will try to share. Um, I was sitting in a room with many, many people, and we were meditating after a process. So we went through a certain process, and then um, the process unfolded. And at the end of this process, I, I suddenly experienced how um, light was coming out of my body and, and um, lighting up the room, which was completely dark. So I could suddenly see the people, how they were dancing or moving or sitting there. And that was amazing because this, this light was in combination with a feeling of kind of love I have never experienced before. That was some kind of, a, I would say, maybe unconditional. It was like... Um, Whoever would have been in front of me, I would have simply loved and hugged and given everything what I have. And um, I first th thought that I um, I was crazy and I just had a very uh, funny experience. But then my mind kicked in again and I, after the process I asked the people which I have seen in the dark room where they have been, what they have done. And they were... Ex explaining exactly what I have seen. So I was convinced um, that was not just in my mind, it was something else in a different kind of field. So some, some sort of grace. Yes. And you were trying to get that grace again and you couldn't replicate it. Yeah. Yeah, I can. By that time I had no idea what grace is. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, and I, I, I wanted to go there like um, you book a course and then the next year you do level two, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't work like that with consciousness. And uh, But at least I was on the hook now and then I was searching for scientific proof of these kind of things and then you bring together um, latest research which made a lot of um, progress in the in the past years. And, and, and now you can suddenly explain what's happening. So it makes a lot, it's a lot easier for us to 
build it into our courses for the leader. So it's for me, it's you first have to take in the mind, so then the people are open to uh, open their hearts, and and then you can work with them. Which brings us to the core of of this podcast, because there's so many people who are experiencing similar things and we live in this western world where the mind rules and money rules and material things rule and we want more of that at the same time there is this suffering if i may say so that we see not only in our own lives but around us the challenges within the environmental scene that we see in all biodiversity and everything how do you do that how do you help people who obviously seek healing just like you and i did how do you take them to the next level can you take us into this conscious leadership approach that you have developed yeah we can um I think the very first step of everything in in this development journey, which is really a journey, this is nothing, you go to a course and after a weekend you have it, it's really a, a lifelong learning and, 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 and process. It's evolution. It's an evolution, absolutely. Um, I think the very first step is to realize how unaware and how unconscious we really are in our daily business. So um, so we know that about 90, 95% of, of our thoughts are repetitive. Yeah? And, um, but we are not aware of that. So especially when we work with leaders to, to come to innovation or, or to be creative, and you're working with something that is 95% a repetition of what you have done yesterday, you're not very effective. So you first have to stop that and that take people out of their mind <laughs> uh, take people out of their mind or at least um um in, in, into something that uh, uh, that frees them up of the limits of the mind because i think the mind itself it's still needed in there because it's um, absolutely great in implementing and, and and analyzing and all these kind of things but at the moment of um, being creative i think it's It's limiting because we, we are building on, on everything what we have learned so far and we think we know everything. And then um, we find out that's not the case. So that's the first step. The first step is really to get first conscious about how unaware we are. And then. Can you give us an example? Like, what does it mean to most people? And back to our audience our audience are investors entrepreneurs, business people, they want to build this and that and the other. We're looking for a unicorn. We're looking for the best things to slice bread. We want the returns, um, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So what does it mean we're not aware? I mean, the terminology is even an impediment toward interior revolution, evolution that And yes. a revolution at the same time. So we need to start so much. Can, can you give us a little bit of, first of all, who contacts you, who wants you to help them 
at what stage are they in a burnout? Is it pain or pleasure that they're coming to you and want to get your services? Or is it the decision to evolve? Have they come, you know, is it, what is it? And then how do you bring that into, I mean, people talk about, I, I'm rambling a little bit, but that's so important because that's part of the problems that we have. Uh, we see that we can, uh, you know, get meditation courses that if you work at Google, we have all these leadership development classes, blah, blah, blah. Personally, very often I, I, I think that these are tools to get us more productive, onto the outside not necessarily more enlightened on the inside so there is this spiritual materialism that very often kicks in or can kick in to just like you wanted to replicate this enlightenment experience is some sort of spiritual i want that more and the moment you want it you're not aware and you don't get it so that's the only thing that that's why science cannot explain it. You have to go there. You have to experience it. And then nobody can take it away from you. So coming back to the question, how do you help people become aware that they have 100 trillion cells in their bodies and, you know, that are working in unison, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, um, I, I think you touched uh, the point earlier as well. Um, the easiest way to do is to look into suffering. Um, but even that's not so simple because um, in the concept we are working, there are only two states of, of our consciousness. There is suffering and there is well-being or a beautiful state which you are living in. And um, you first have to understand um, or my mind was always telling there's a third state which is telling that it's neutral because most of the day, I let's say at the beginning I was thinking I'm in a neutral state and I'm simply working and, and, and doing this. But that's not true because if you look into biology, um, our trillion and of cells in the body and I think we have 50 billion of, 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 of body cells or something, they only also have only two states, which one is protection state and one is growth state. So the normal state, I would say, is as human beings. We are all born and then we are growing up. So our our cells are, the natural state is the growth state. So you either grow or you die, the first law of nature. Exactly. And um, But there's a protection state, which means if, um, if you are facing a threat, an outside threat, and we need to remember our body is thousands of years old, and if at that time a, a tiger was attacking you, then your body was going into fight-or-flight response, which means that the, the bodies are switching into the protection mode, and they are giving all the energy um, into the muscle cells, so that we are good in, in fighting or flighting. Um, the funny thing is that Today in, 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 in the offices, there is no tiger anymore, but we have all sorts of psychological threats like not meeting the deadline or... Um, nice know, colleagues. Nice colleagues, nice targets, unrealistic uh, visions or something like that. And then um, the threat kicks in, the psychological threat, 
And guess what? It has exactly the same response. Our body ex, ex, responds exactly in the same way. And that means um, even our brain cells are doing the same thing because um, the, the energy moves from our neocortex um, at the front of the, of the brain where, where all the intelligence is and the empathy is located. It moves back to the, to the reptile brain at the uh, at the bottom or at the end of the um, our our skull, um, and that means we um, there's the reflection, um, uh, not the the, refle- the, the reflexive uh, center, and um, yeah, and and if the the energy moves there to have fast re- reflexes, so that's absolutely supporting irrational it, behavior. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. and um, when the people we we work with then understand that. At the time when they would need it most, they don't have access to their full intelligence. Then they start to get interested. And then um, we are making clear that there is no neutral state because our body cells don't have a neutral state. So that means that most of the time when we think we are in a neutral state, we are in suffering state, but we have been able over time and the experience in our lives is to manage our suffering rationalize rationalize it find good reasons this is the way it is and we accept it as normal and our brain then switches this normal state into a neutral state and we don't recognize it as suffering anymore but our body cells are still in the suffering in, in 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 the protection state which means they are not healthy and this is why we have so many diseases and then um after some time when the people spend years in in fear and and we end up in burnout and depression Okay, so the first step is helping people become aware of yes. It's, it's, it's the first. Yeah, I'm not a Buddhist, but you know, it says the there is suffering. That's the four uh, out of the four. The first noble truth. Yes, absolutely. We have to recognize that. We have to be very honest with ourselves in which state we are. And one of the first exercises we do with the leaders is just watch yourself um, during the day, and they have a list where they have to. Um, take if they are in suffering state or in, in, in gross state. And then it's the first time they realize how much time they are really spending in suffering. And then it's, um, yeah, then, then they are interested to get out of that. So take us through your conscious leadership model. What? what yes, we, 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 work with, um, we work with a model um, where we say, um, mo- most of the leaders are involved in transformational programs, and um, if it depends on, on on the statistics or who you listen to, um, between sixty and eighty percent of these transformation programs are failing. And so we were looking into it: why why are these failing? And then um, we we did it from from the reverse. So we said: when when is a transformation successful? As transformation is successful when you when you have a changed something in the outside and and it's hopefully exactly what you planned for yeah so to arrive at a different result you need to do different actions so you need to behave in a different way you need to act in a different way and to arrive at different actions you have to make different decisions um for different decisions um you need to have a different mindset and to have an, 
to arrive at a different mindset, you have to have different thoughts. And where do our thoughts come from? They come from consciousness. And here we are back to these two states. Yeah? So the, the, your, your state, your consciousness state, is exactly driving the quality of your decisions and therefore the success of your outcomes. And this is what we do then. We look at all these elements I just touched to get them more and more aware. But the basic, the root cause of everything is the, the consciousness state which you are in. And most of these transformation programs, they just work on um, what and how. Um, some are lucky and they are already looking into the why, which is the third state. And since Simon Sinek, we... Um, that's very well known. But the fourth state, which is the consciousness state, which is the root cause of all the other three, um, nobody's really looking at. So we teach them then, in at the times when they need to make decisions, that they first change their state, and then they have access to the intelligence, and then they arrive at completely different um, decisions. And because... Every day we're thinking 99% of the thoughts we had thought yesterday, we keep repeating the same suffering and it gets actually worse. Yes. Next question. As somebody who has been on a human development, personal growth path for more than four decades, I know that this kind of transformation is not easy. It's actually really hard work. Again, because we keep thinking the same old thoughts. Yes. And we are a victim of the social conditioning. And modern media are actually supporting that. And we see the results on the outside. Yes. Um, radicalization, you know, those who actually don't have anything to say now have something to say and influence. So how can we, how, how, how do you help People transform. They need to embark, they need to be very clear that this is a journey. As you said, we are doing this now for, for many, many years or even decades and we are still learning and we still have many of our habits. But the more you catch yourself that you're doing this habit again, it's, I, I always explain it that way, it's like you are um, entering a train and then this train goes to the last stop. And um, if you are unaware, you only get aware if you are getting off the train at the last stop. And um, if you are getting more aware, you catch yourself on the journey. So you're leaving maybe a stop earlier or two stops earlier. And the more you get aware, then you, you catch yourself at the end even entering the train. So you don't have to go on that journey on that path, um, on this habit journey anymore. And um, yeah, this is really, it, it starts with the awareness that that's, that's the very, very big thing. And then you can bring it into your decisions, into, into everything and being creative and, and innovative. But this, as you said, it takes time because we are also working with um, something called multi layer intelligence so that means because we are so much trained to 
just listening to our rational or mind mind intelligence, but we have emotional intelligence, we have body sensations, we have intuition, we have all these kind of things. And, and so we are spending a lot of time with um, moving into a place where we are open to listen to this kind of intuitive, intuitive emerging thoughts, which are not limited by our beliefs and, um, about certain things. Um, and that is always amazing when the people um, who haven't done this before and even haven't done meditation before suddenly have deep insights about um, a new idea or about themselves, and then they are on the hook. Like myself, which my with my mystical experience, I was on the hook. And normally, if I wouldn't have been on the hook, I would have left this path in the second year or the third year because I didn't make any experience and it was more the physical, uh, not the physical, the philosophical um, interesting part that kept me there as well. But then you, you, you are seeing the changes, then you are seeing that first, first of all, in my case, it was um, that your mind is calming down. Um, you're not in these repetitive thinking modes anymore. So for example, if I made a made a big mistake at, at work for um, I, I was dreaming at nighttime a thousand times what I would have done if it would have happened if I would have done it differently and I should have done it that way and, and so on and so on and so on the whole night and this thing completely stopped so this done the, 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 the past is dead you take your learnings and you take them forward into a future which is not born yet so the only place where you can make your decision is now in the present and, and and this is why we talk about then presence as as one of the deep um, path to let's say universal intelligence. Yeah, that's why we call it a gift, the present. Yes, that's all we have here and now. Yes. So now coming back to our audience, obviously you've been a top executive and awakened to this necessity of looking in a different direction other than on the outside, so on the inside, because your body uh, you know, requested it more or less, and your mind, your happiness, your joy. We experience that throughout, particularly as an entrepreneur, but also as an investor, as a business person in general. So how can entrepreneurs use these tools to... Yeah, to materialize their dreams, because there is a reason why we live in a physical body. Yes. And so, how, and, and I, I see how that you're helping people manifest their raison d'etre here in this here and now by opening up or helping them open up some, some doors to the much grander. person that they are which is what we want to do we want to manifest stuff here this is how evolution works so what would you recommend an entrepreneur and an investor because from my perspective we work with people who are already on who are willing to who are on the path and we're willing to integrate the interior with the exterior because it's it's to the benefit of all of us yes it is um, 
let's say when we are working with companies, it's it's always very difficult for the people we are working with to understand where they are at the moment, where they are starting. Everybody is very clear about where they want to go, what the goals are, what uh, what they want to achieve. But they don't know where they are. And we always say it's like a GPS navigation system. If you don't know your starting point, you can make plans and plans and routes and routes and you will never arrive because that doesn't fit. So for us, it's very important to understand um, what's driving these people. And um, in our case, we are using um, an assessment from the Barrett Value Center just to find out um, what the needs and the drivers of the people are because everything what we do is driven by our needs. So we want to fulfill our needs. And depending, let's say, on the maturity grade of, of our personal evolution through life, um, you are driven by different needs. Um, so like you, you're very much familiar with uh, Ken Wilber's work that uh, Barrett is also building on, on, on the Maslow um, pyramid. And um, if you're moving up that chain um, or that pyramid, then you have different drivers. And, and the difference starts to kick in when the people go beyond their fears because there's suddenly a need that, they've, that they have identified that they have to contribute that it's, it's giving them so much joy and energy to contribute or to align a team. And, and there we use very much the values. Um, one, one of the reasons for me um, where I discovered that um, I personally was struggling what was going on was um, because um, my job that I had in the past that was that was great that was interesting and 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 everything but there was something in there that was um where i understood that the values don't match so much and um, i could imagine that's the same for many of the people who in big corporates it's about performance management so in the performance management there are some rules which how you have to rate the people and what this does and and we always think that by doing it this way we are motivating the people to do more but what we are doing there is we are only injecting more fear into them instead of giving them the strength to open up and and and, and creating a safe space and and bringing in psychological safety to to create a high performance team and, and that's exactly what we do. So we, we, we are trying to understand how much the fear level is in, in, in a company or, or in an individual or a team. And then we are concretely working on reducing this fear because this automatically means that you are moving away from this protection state, which we touched earlier. So you're moving into growth state and then suddenly the people normally will get creative and innovative and, and um, yeah, successful in the end. Extraordinary. Yeah, that's the key, of course. Given the fact that we live in, in a very, well, exponentially growing technology, time, uh, even climate change grows exponentially because we didn't pay attention early enough to the CO2 emissions that we put into the atmosphere. How do you see... Us succeeding in growing consciousness 
faster on the inside to bring about the necessary uh, transformation compared to the exterior activity that currently takes place. And I'm, I'm thinking right now even on AI and how AI is artificial intelligence is, is controlling our world. And um, because we do not understand consciousness but try to replicate it mm. technologically, What is your assessment? How can we influence that? How can we make sure that the variety of multiple intelligences that is actually out there gets implemented and not just one that, uh, that is currently being implemented? In other words, I'm, I'm being pretty convoluted here in my expression, the problem in AI right now is that we're building in uh, the programmer's bias. Yes. So the own level of consciousness of the programmers are, is being replicated in the systems that they're building. So in other words, the more they evolve to up the Maslow pyramid, to stick to your example, the, the higher the likelihood is that uh, we will develop systems that will help us, AI systems and others, will help us address the challenges that we have. So from your perspective, and because you're being in this market, you know, educating people, helping people evolve, what is your assessment? Yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, things like AI or all these technology um, progresses and everything, what we, in all the innovations that will come up that's urgently needed, because I think uh, next to consciousness, certainly uh, technology will help us to mitigate this climate change or any other problem on this on this planet. Um, how do we get people uh, looking into it? Is I think I see two kinds of people. There are people who are already aware that they are searching for something, but they don't know what they're searching for. Or, at, and, and the very first step for these people is they understand we cannot continue this way. And, and this is what we experience when we talk to companies. If, if you talk to the receptionist or to the CEO, it's everybody understands we cannot continue this way. But they all think we cannot change the system. So even the CEOs and, 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 and the chairman of the companies, they all think we cannot change the system. And that's exactly where, where we need to start. They need to realize that they are the system. Yeah? They are, if you are running a company, the, the consciousness of this company is a duplication more or less of, of, of your way of doing it. Yeah? Um, so these, these, these people, we can, they are already, I, I would say, they start to enter the path of, of, of consciousness evolution already. But the majority of the people, um, I think they only learn through, like myself, um, through a painful experience. Yeah? You, you, you need to run into so much pain that we are getting out of our comfort zone and are trying something completely new. Um, and I, we always say, you can only learn in the unknown. 
Yeah. So we are only learning when we are making new experiences. And it's not about, uh, and this is why we, why we are so much focused on, on vertical development with the conscious leaders instead of just horizontal development where we say we are talking about um, additional knowledge or additional tools. No, no, it's really about we need to change the way how we are thinking and how we are feeling and how we perceive the reality. And that only starts with, um, or at least for me, it was the pain yeah, that that brought me onto this way. And this is we we last year we had um, um, talk with a with a hospital in the in the U.S. which were um, and they were very much interested in in in, in working on anti-stress um, yeah programs with us. And uh, they told us that fifty percent of their physicians are in burnout state. And we were really shocked. How can you run a hospital with 50% of your people being sick there? And um, finally, we didn't work with them because we, we um, became to know that instead of investing the money to bring in additional people, they invested the money in an, in an insurance um, if these people are making mistakes so that nobody can sue them on court. So we thought if if the leadership team thinks that way, they're not interested in their people at all. So why should we enter and start a stress um, reduction program with them, which in the end means you need to change your your um, your perception. And because my my if if you stick to the resilience topic or the stress topic, in in, in I had the nice experience that I was working in a startup. And I was uh, with the people like me. We worked for um, almost a year, let's say fourteen to sixteen hours, and we have, and there was no stress symptoms. There was nothing. Yeah? We were energized. We were completely driven by what we wanted to achieve. So I understood at that time that there's positive stress also. So in the end, it's and we are talking about pressure. Yes, there's pressure, of course, from outside, but the stress is only arising in you when you start to realize that you have an inner conflict with what is happening. Yeah? So it has nothing to do that you have to do so many long hours. Of course, if, they, if your body cannot make it anymore, then you need to talk about it. But it's about the inner conflict wh where we are losing all the energy and then, then we are on the downward spiral, which you described earlier, and then the people get into burnout and depression and so on. But it has nothing to do what's what's happening on the outside. It's really, it's really just the inside part which drives you in uh, in in reducing that energy. And um, yeah, that's a major part for us to work with the people to to change the perception of reality. And and then, um, in a in a good state, if they have changed their state, then they can talk to their boss and they overcome the fear and t telling them this is simply unrealistic and and so on. And and then of course it depends on the boss again. But if 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 these guys are running through the same programs, this is why we why we always try to to run a culture program in parallel to a leadership development program because it goes hand in hand and it touches everybody. Um, then you have the, the the fastest transformation of the company. Personally, I have arrived at a point forty years ago where I saw that mental hygiene, interior 
spiritual, psychological hygiene is just as important as brushing your teeth and taking a shower every day. From your experience, how prevalent is that? Do One way is to, oh, my boss stresses me. Another is to say, my boss stresses me and I do something about it. So I do not expect from my boss or the company to give me the tools, the skills, and, and the money to address it. I can take matters into my own hands and address it. From your perspective, what is your perception out there? How many people are are taking matters into their own hands or are waiting for others, you know, the system to transform? Because at the end of the day, we don't need 100% of the people to transform the system. We only need, the tipping point is at, uh, say, 10, 11%. It's a leadership question. Yes. Yeah, last week, uh, no, not last week, last year, we worked with a, with a um, mid-sized company where we found that the people over years have been educated um, just to listen and do what the, what is told to them. And now um, they are waking up, um, and part of the assessment we now have, we have seen that they have so much fear in this company that they want to change this, but this doesn't doesn't work because suddenly you have the people, you have educated them over years that they just sit and wait until you tell them something to do. And now you want them to drive their life and to speak up and to contribute and to be creative and something. And and that's not so easy. So it, in this case, for me, it's you need to start with the leaders because if they don't change their behavior and their thinking, it, it will never... Um, be uh, let's say in a, in a sustainable way in the in the team. Yeah, that's um, you need to do it that way. Okay, so let's let's move on. What is your daily transformative practice? How do you keep yourself healthy? Yeah, for me, it's. Um, when I started this path, I was not a friend of meditation because um, when I woke up in the morning and I know I have so many things to do at the, at, at, in the day, I, I jumped out and, and I started doing it. And it took me quite a while um, to see that meditation, for my uh, a proper morning practice, and um, is is the one changing my state and helping me to to make better decisions and, and, and having better ideas. Um, but at that time I realized I don't enjoy it so much because I saw meditation as a burden and I had to force myself to do it. And at a certain point I, I changed that and said I only do it when I enjoy it and I love to do it. And then all the pressure was gone. So it was not a burden anymore. Suddenly I, I did it... Tuesday and then maybe on Saturday again and then and so it became more and more and I started to enjoy meditation because um, we we only use short meditation so I'm um, because it needs to be practical and I we only work with meditation that you also can do at work for example so um, but but every morning I'm 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 moving back into this nice state and um, then you get 
let's say, addicted to this nice state as well. Yeah, So you don't want to be wake up and have all the stress and already the list in your head, what you have to do. So enjoy this. This is a like a like a big pause, maybe a 15-minute pause, 20-minute pause in the morning, and then I enjoy it so much because then, then I'm already in a completely different state and I start my day in a... In a in a in a different mood and um, and and if you just think about how many people we are meeting every day and how many people we are interacting with, this will multiply. If we are going out there with a stress state, this will multiply too. So we have the choice, and we can make a difference there. So you decide at the beginning of the day whether it's ninety nine percent of the thoughts a repetition of the thoughts of yesterday or maybe allow for some new thoughts that you decide to have. Yes. Brilliant. So what are three specific and most treasured pieces of advice that you would like to give our audiences? I think the most important is really get aware of where you are, in which state you are, in which state your thinking and your body is, if you are in suffering or in, in, in a growth state. Um, and I think this would also be my second and my third advice because this is the first and almost the last step. If you do this in a proper way, you can change it, your state in a, in a few seconds and then um, I always stay then you enjoy life in everything what you do, even even the things that you don't do, like may, may, maybe um, doing tech stuff or, or for, for me it's um, all sort of administrative things. Um, even that you can do in a good state as well. So you can have success in a good state or you can, yeah, if you have the success, you can decide if this is if it, that is hard work or if you can do the hard work in a good state. How do you want to be remembered? As someone who has brought many leaders onto this path and made a difference in this in this world, because I think, as we said, started. Um, I think this is probably the most important decade um, in the history of mankind, and I think I would love to have a, a big stake in that contribution and that shift that needs to happen. Here, here, wishing you, all of us, good luck on that. Thank you so much for being Thank you so on much the program. For, for the opportunity. For more on Dr. Jan Bellermann, visit conscious-leadership.academy and connect with him on LinkedIn. For more on Dr. Bosazan and the investment turnaround, visit investment-turnaround.com.